Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC podcast. This podcast is an extended version of The Debaters, which may contain more mature themes. To stream the radio-friendly version of this episode, download the CBC Listen app or go to cbc.ca slash thedebaters. And thanks for listening to the CBC. Hey, Canada. We're enjoying some parks and rec from Vancouver, home of Stanley Park and Rec Beach. It's the Debater! where comedians fight with facts and funny and this audience picks the winner. Now here's a man whose comedy comes au naturel to him, Steve Patterson. Hey, Canada, there you are. Welcome back to the debaters. We're back here in British Columbia, a province that is home to a wide variety of amazing birds. (laughs) True story. Recently, someone put a tiny backpack on a pigeon to fly contraband into a prison yard. (laughs) That happened here. Also in the backpack were some pencils, a well-balanced lunch, and a book report on one flew over the cuckoo's nest. (laughs) There's no mention of how the prison found out this was going on, but I'm guessing the warden had a stool pigeon. Now, are you ready to meet two debaters who are ready to flip each other the bird? What do you say, North Van? We're in for a good one here. This comic likes to go to her local pizzeria and deep dish the gossip. It's Newfoundland's Lisa Baker! There she is, Lisa Baker. Always a pleasure. She's ready. Hi, Lisa. And this comic has a deep aversion to anything related to punctuation, period. It's Yumi Nagashima! British Columbian Yumi Nagashima! Hi, Yumi! There she is. A confident entrance. Hi, Steve. Ladies, your topic is one of a kind. Is every person truly unique? Our planet has just hit a milestone. There are now over 8 billion people on Earth. To add some perspective, many McDonald's locations have a sign that claims 99 billion served. (laughs) That means that everybody on the planet has eaten at McDonald's 12 times. That's 500 million tons of quarter pounders. I did the math. Not well. It's imperial. I'm more of a metric... It also means that every person on Earth has been disappointed by the filet of fish at least twice. Now, are you ready for two comics who will make a happy meal out of this debate? What do you say, Vancouver? Let's get on with it. Whereas it's said that no matter where you go, people are all the same, be it resolved that not every person is unique. Lisa, you are arguing for this, please. You have two minutes. Starting now, Lisa Baker. 
We've all heard the whole, everyone is unique foolishness. We hear it from our parents, our teachers, even from large purple dinosaurs and whiny cartoon children that make parents want to punt the TV right through the window. <laughs> well, what does it even mean? The definition of unique is being the only one of its kind unlike anything else. The only one of its kind unlike anything else. This simply cannot be used to describe people. I meet people all the time who remind me of other people. How many kids have I seen over the years and immediately knew, that's one of the pike youngsters? <laughs> Gord looks like he spit that one out himself. <laughs> and if I had a nickel for every time my ex-husband told me I was just like my mother, I could have afforded to be a widow instead of a divorcee. <laughs> okay, so sure, we can use outside sources to make us stand out and appear unique. Tattoos, colored hair, polygamy. <laughs> but strip all that away, and what do you have? Paper dolls. We're all just paper dolls. No one is truly unique. I remember running into a buddy from high school who was rather animated and quirky, and I introduced him to a friend who later commented, what a unique individual. <laughs> and I had to tell her, this is on mushrooms, bye. <laughs> he wasn't unique. He was tripping balls. <laughs> Even you and I have so many similarities, Yumi. We are both women, we both have accents, and we're both comedians. We're practically twins. <laughs> the end. Lisa Baker says not everybody is unique in the way that only Lisa Baker can. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Now, with a counter-argument on uniqueness that you'll never hear anywhere else, let's hear from Yumi Nagashima. Lisa, thank you for sharing your unique opinions. They are unlike anything else. <laughs> I was always aware of Lisa's accent, but I didn't know I had one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> I guess we are both from the Far East. about your ex-husband, Lisa. Your feelings get hurt when people don't recognize your uniqueness. <laughs> I've experienced similar pain. Some white people confused me with other Asian ladies. <laughs> and my friends were like, that's racist. <laughs> but I came up with a unique perspective. I decided to think it was nothing to do with racism, but just racial familiarity, because I had trouble distinguishing white people, too. <laughs> to be honest, I still can't tell the difference between Natalie Portman and Keira Knightley, <laughs> Julia Roberts and Steven Tyler,
and Matthew McConaughey and brown leather recliner. <laughs> But I've been told there's a difference. <laughs> Enough about physicality. Let's talk about vocation. Even though all humans have equal value in the world, everyone plays a unique role in humanity, even within the same occupation. For instance, Van Gogh. One of the most influential painters in history gave us powerful proof that astonishing art can be made despite difficulties, such as losing one's Q tip sponsorship. <laughs> On the other hand, My friend Ted, who lives in East Van, is what we call in Japan a lousy painter. <laughs> He plays a great role to make me feel better as an artist. <laughs> Both roles are equally important to humanity, yet each role is very unique. Thanks, Steve. Yumi! Yumi Nagashima telling us that everyone is unique, that everyone plays a unique role, except perhaps for some Caucasian people, <laughs> and Matthew McConaughey in a brown leather recliner. <laughs> Let's get on with it. We got a debate going. It is time now for the bare knuckle round. We're debating whether everyone is unique. So, try to get individual jokes with exceptional punchlines. You will need to generate some collective laughter, or the audience will snowflake on their plans and doppelgang up on you. <laughs> We're asking for a one in an eight billion performance here, so let's get going before the crowd says, hey, distincts. <laughs> Now. Look, I know I'm not unique because my dad calls out every sibling and pet's name before mine, and I'm his only daughter. Well, lucky you, Lisa. My father doesn't call my name or even make an eye contact because he's an emotionally available Japanese man. <laughs> okay. okay, but seriously, though. All right, and I know I mentioned it before, but like, look at us. All right, don't make me bring up the twin thing again, okay? Well, Lisa, if we were twins, um, one of us died at birth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the bare knuckle round, I think. We are debating whether everyone is unique. And with each unique answer from Yumi, it gets more difficult for Lisa. <laughs> time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on people not being unique, brought to you by Kellogg's new cereal for ordinary people. You're not so special, okay? <laughs> so 
Psychologist Richard Weisbord says that parents aren't successful when their children are unique or special. They are successful when what happens? Yumi. Their children agree to financially lucrative arranged marriages. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect, but I'll give you a point. Lisa Baker. When they earn 20 to 28 years old and still living in my basement. <laughs> okay. That was, that was personal, but look at that. Two and a half points. Uh, parents are successful when their children do things that everyone should do, like be good citizens. Again, Richard Weisbord. There's a reason he's not a household name. <laughs> According to Maslow's hierarchy of basic needs, all humans have the same five needs. Survival, safety, love, self-respect, and what? Yumi. Toilet papers. <laughs> Not going to argue with that. Lisa. Birth control. <laughs> Trust me, Steve. Okay, all right. All right, I can't say it's wrong. Three points. The actual answer was self-fulfillment, but birth control is the right answer. That's the firing line, everybody. Yeah. We're in the home stretch, and it's almost time for our Centennial Theater audience to pick a winner. But first, here with yet another distinctive one-off on how we're all unique, let's hear again from the uniquely talented Yumi Nagashima. Compared to Japan, where Lisa is from is filled with uniqueness. Its official name is Newfoundland and Labrador. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> if it were colonized by the French, it could have been Labradoodle. <laughs> It has its own time zone, and convenience stores sell alcohol until 2 a.m. How can you say we are not unique? Where I come from, the fish is raw, and we deep fry the vegetables. <laughs> and where Lisa comes from, they deep fry the fish, and there are no vegetables. <laughs> Thank you. Yumi Nagashima with an outstanding closing argument. Now, here to tell us why, whether you're unique or you're not, it's all the same to her. Let's hear from, I think, the one of a kind, Lisa Baker. Even if uniqueness was a thing, why would anyone want to be unique? No one ever means unique. They mean different. And if we learned anything by now, that's rarely good, okay? Look at Edward Scissorhands. Or Shrek. Or Jesus. All could easily be classified as unique and mobs broke out the pitchforks. It was even worse for women. 
There was a time that if we could remove stains or cook a roast or had nice hair, we'd be burnt at the stake. <laughs> you know what's not unique? Women arguing over something started by a man. Thanks, debaters. <laughs> Lisa Baker. Yep. A lot of good points there, audience. It is up to you to pick a winner in a well-fought debate. Who all felt exactly the same as Lisa about her non-unique natterings, Lisa Baker? Yeah, a lot, a lot of people liked it. And who agreed with Yumi that you and me are all different? Yumi Nagashima. But I've got to give this one to Yumi Nagashima. Everybody's unique. Big hand for Yumi Nagashima and Lisa Baker, everybody. You're listening to The Debaters on CBC Radio 1. Want to be a part of the debating action? For upcoming tour dates, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Vancouver, are you ready to meet your next pair of debaters? That sounds like a yes. Okay. This comic failed optometry school due to her being a bad pupil. It's Victoria's Katie Ellen Humphreys. Katie Ellen, smiling, waving, bounding across the stage. Hi, Steve. Hi, Katie Ellen. And when this comic was offered the chance of a free trampoline, he jumped right on it. It's Sook BC's own Kevin Banner! Kevin Banner! Steve. Taking his place to my left. All right, your topic is a great one for here. One that barks the question, tree planters versus lumberjacks. (laughs) Who better represents British Columbia? I know. Where where else could we do this? I guess this is as good a time as any to admit I have never worked as a tree planter or a lumberjack, but I once dated a tree planter. She was a kind, hard-working person and wanted to make the world a better place, so no wonder it didn't work out. (laughs) I've never dated a lumberjack, but if I wanted to, I'd probably use the dating app Timber! Anyway, whereas tree planters are free-spirited protectors and restorers of forests, be it resolved the tree planter is a better symbol for British Columbia than the lumberjack. Katie Ellen, you arguing for this, please. You have two minutes, starting now. Katie Ellen Humphreys. Thank you, thank you. The tree planter and the lumberjack. Like the mighty Douglas fir, or the Sausage McMuffin. (laughs) One, the perfect emblem of British Columbia. The other, a regrettable breakfast. (laughs) 
Lumberjacks are hot. <laughs> Fetishize the world over for their burly muscles, calloused hands, and a certain aptitude with the timber. <laughs> that is far too sexy a symbol for a province whose capital city is Victoria. <laughs> the city other cities think of when trying not to climax. <laughs> the look we associate with lumberjacks has been appropriated by the 30-something hipster in Vancouver. Bushy beard, flannel jacket, and sure, that 30-something hipster might be a good emblem for British Columbia, but we cannot afford the tourism dollars we will lose when our provincial symbol reminds women of the person they have saved in their phone as Caleb Tinder, <laughs> who said, I've never felt this way before, and then disappeared forever. <laughs> Tree planting season typically runs from late April to early August. Only having energy from late spring to early summer, that is as BC as seasonal depression. <laughs> Every tree planter I know works part of the year, lives with 10 other people, all of whom's most prized possession is their rain gear, and spend most of their time talking about their travels in Asia. That's the British Columbia I know and love. Thank you. Hey, Ellen Humphreys. Yes. Now to tell Katie Ellen Humphreys that she doesn't know Lumberjack about Lumberjacks, here's Kevin Banner. First of all, I would like to thank the Lumberjacks, loggers, and uh, uh, Lumberjills, who cleared a space so we could have this beautiful theater here tonight. <laughs> I would also like to thank them for the uh, lumber used to build this theater here tonight and for the lumber to build this stage we stand upon. Uh, hey, while I'm at it, I would also like to thank tree planters for not standing too close to me on public transit as I am deathly allergic to the smell of patchouli. Of course, the lumberjack is a better symbol for British Columbia. Any diner in the province worth its salt, has a lumberjack's breakfast on the menu. No diner has a tree planter's breakfast. <laughs> because it is illegal to charge people for two puffs of a vape pen. Without loggers, we wouldn't have logger sports. And without logger sports, what would TSN4 show at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday? <laughs> British Columbia is an innovative province when it comes to technology. Tree planters use Stone Age technology to push seedlings into the ground. Loggers work with complicated machines like grapplers, chainsaws, and skidders, all of which were high school nicknames of mine. Uh, <laughs> Please don't ask why they called me Skitters. Uh, <laughs> without 
loggers, the orange suspender market would collapse. <laughs> Lucky beer would not sell another can. Chainsaw factories would shutter their doors. Could you imagine a world without tree planters? Yeah, I'm sure the hacky sack industry would eventually recover. <laughs> Thank you. Gavin Banner, coming out swinging. Honestly, my buddy Skidder, he's ready. <laughs> All right. It is time now for the bare knuckle round. We're axing whether the lumberjack is a clear-cut winner over the tree planter. So try to stump your opponent until they are a mere husk of Varna of themselves. <laughs> it's time to branch out, plant the seeds of victory, and don't bore all this audience, or they might just leave. So let's get started. Chop, chop! Thank you. That's two for me. Two points. You, the logging pulls up the chainsaw industry, which we all know is actually supported by the homicidal maniac industry, terrorizing sexy teens at summer camp. I don't have to wear a mask when I do it, but... <laughs> Katie and I have known each other uh, a dozen years, and in that entire time, she has not moved once. Do you know who else doesn't move unless somebody helps them? Spotted owls. Now... <laughs> lumberjacks will help a spotted owl move from one home to another so they don't just get complacent and stay in the same place sitting around eating mice like Katie. Most people will eat an average of seven mice in their sleep every year. <laughs> where, where did you read that? I don't know, a Snapple can or something. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is, the tree planter is a symbol for BC. It's an emblem we can get behind. When Bob Ross paints a tree, everyone is delighted. That man never once painted a stump. <laughs> That's the bare knuckle round, everybody. I think we got it. It's time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on lumberjacks versus tree planters, brought to you by Paul Bunyan's Bunyan Treatment Centers. <laughs> Paul Bunyan's Bunyan Treatment Centers. We'll cut those old growths down to size. <laughs> In 2019, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau met with climate activist Greta Thunberg and promised that Canada would plant two billion trees by the year 2030. After the meeting, what last piece of advice did Thunberg leave for Prime Minister Trudeau? Katie Ellen. Maybe cool it on the costume parties? <laughs> I like that. Two points. Kevin Banner. Uh, she told him to avoid logging communities because he's not super popular there. <laughs> Sound advice. Uh, the, piece, the last piece of advice that she left was for him to act on the current best available United Science. <laughs> and then he smiled. According to British Columbia forester Melinda Morbin, what should women know if they're thinking about working in logging? Kevin. That it's actually fun 
to pave paradise and put up a parking lot. <laughs> Three points. Katie Ellen. Women need to know that bears can smell blood. Women, if you're thinking of working and logging, you should, should know th this. People don't care if you're a man or a woman. It's all about whether you can do the job. That's what Melinda Morbin says. There's no, there's no joke there. <laughs> Vancouver's Grouse Mountain hosts the world-famous Lumberjack Show. It features competitions such as log rolling, axe throwing, and what else? Kevin? Long lines at the first aid tent. Probably. Katie Ellen? No, it's log rolling, axe throwing, and the lumberjack off. <laughs> it features competitions such as log rolling, axe throwing, and a 60-foot tree climb, two-man peg and raker saws, and a springboard chop. I blacked out. What did I just say? <laughs> Way worse than lumberjack. <laughs> According to albertalandmanagement.com, there are six benefits to harvesting timber. What's the number one benefit? Katie Ellen Humphreys. It pisses off BC. <laughs> one point. Kevin? Uh, more places to park your Ford F-150. Ford, built Ford tough. <laughs> Kevin doing a little side hustle here during the question. The number one benefit is that it promotes forest regeneration. Eventually, Alberta can have nice things too. And that is the firing line, everybody. All right, just about time for our Centennial Theatre audience to vote. But first, here again with some more deeply cutting remarks in support of Lumberjacks, it's that tree fellow over there, Kevin Banner. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody likes a forest fire. You can't have a forest fire if you don't have a forest. Thank you, loggers. Uh, do tree planters actually want more forest fires? <laughs> Food for thought. Uh, could tree planters be a symbol for British Columbia? Perhaps, if society entirely collapses. But until that day, I think we're here to determine who is the better symbol uh, for British Columbia. And looking around this theater at the beautiful, just gorgeous audience, right? Uh, I think the best person to represent them would be somebody courageous, hardworking, strong, and brave with forearms that looks like they're wearing sleeves made out of mutton. And <laughs> being a lumberjack is a noble profession, and being a tree planter is just something you do between the time your bail is set and your trial begins. <laughs> Thank you. Kevin Banner, on behalf of the lumberjack, Thank you, Kevin. Now, with an argument on tree planters that needs no plants in the audience in order to take root, here again is Katie Ellen Humphreys. Mm -hmm. 
The lumberjack is a symbol of a bygone era, like a Vancouver Grizzlies jersey or my opponent's old hairline. <laughs> that, uh, that one physically hurt Kevin. The figure that best represents the future of British Columbia is, of course, the tree planter, a contract worker who lives in a tent. <laughs> Planting a tree is a radical act of optimism, like having a child or checking a bag with Air Canada. To plant a tree is to make a promise for a future you may not even see. I don't know about you, North Vancouver, but to me, making vague plans for an undetermined someday with no mechanism in place to tie you personally to those future plans, that is as BC as it gets. <laughs> Thank you. Katie Ellen Humphreys, on behalf of the tree planters. All right, it's time to vote by applause. Who thought that Katie Ellen's pro-planter platitudes helped you see the forest and the trees? Katie Ellen Humphreys. A lot of support for Katie Ellen here in North Van. And how many of you really logged what Kevin was saying in support of Lumberjacks and can, for the moment, agree with them? Kevin Van. Whoa! Very close. We got a tie, it's a tie. Lumberjacks versus Tree Planters, way to go. Katie Allen Humphries and Kevin Banner, everybody. Well, that's all for this week. I'm Steve Patterson, saying no trees were harmed during the taping of this debate in Vancouver, but several were probably hugged. I'll argue with you again soon, Canada. Good night. The Debaters is created by Richard Side. This week's episode was produced by Josh Bailey, Graham Clark, Chloe Edbrook, Nicole Callender, and Tracy Rideout. With continuity by Graham Clark, Diana Francis, and Gary Jones. Technical production by James Perella and Jeff Walter. Story editing by Gary Jones. With special thanks to Katie Ellen Humphreys and David Pride. Executive producer of CBC Radio Comedy is Lee Pitts. And thanks to everyone at the Centennial Theatre in North Vancouver. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.